Welcome to Christian Warrior Women, the number one spot for women desiring the real, raw truth. How to live in confidence without doubt. The battle for your identity, faith, and courage in relationships, health, and wealth with God is real. Here is Lisa Hawkins, author, coach, and minister. Good morning. This is Lisa, and I am excited to be here with you today. I um, was actually, you know, the Lord gave me this message for today's podcast yesterday, and it was, it might have even been the day before, it's been on my mind a lot, and it, and it is as we're talking about anger and hate and how we can harbor that against a person, a place, a thing, a group of people, um, it, he just gave me an example of someone who had ample reason if, if in today's society, if we had these things happen to this person, psychologists, doctors, teachers, friends, family would all be saying, oh, we understand why he's going through this phase because of a lifelong of struggle. But in the example I'm going to use, this person made a choice to not choose anger. And I think there's a wealth to learn. Many times there are stories in the Bible and examples of how someone's faith and how they're tremendous um, or the tremendous struggle. But sometimes we don't pay attention to the smaller detail of sometimes things not said or said subtly that we don't pick up on. And so I want to share a great example of a person that I think, if you really read these chapters as well, even in more depth than what I'm going to share today, that you will be like, wow, a lot happened to this person. And it happened over a number of years. I don't know where you are in your struggle or in your an area of your life that seems to be going on forever. You seem to not be able to overcome it or be removed from it. I'm going to show you someone that for years, many years, they struggled. God gave them a vision of their life, but they struggled for a very long time before they actually saw that vision and that dream come to life. And they weren't liked very much. No, I'm not talking about Job, but... Think about who I could be thinking about as I begin to share with you the four to five key points where Joseph could have decided to be an angry, hateful, revengeful man, but he chose God's wisdom instead. And I want to talk about a couple of things that we don't necessarily ever really kind of hear in detail. And I'm going to give you in sequence four to five things that happened to him. And I want to see if I can get through that today or I'll make it a part two tomorrow. But I want you to see the consistent um, struggle that he had even before the brothers. Many people know about the brothers, but there's a struggle that even begins before that. So, Struggle number one, Joseph's mother, mother is named Rachel. She dies. Okay, so we have 
a young man without his mother. And I don't know if you've ever lost a parent um, as a young person. I lost my dad as a young person. But there, there is that, there is a loss. And you can imagine, especially in those days, losing your mom is, is a big deal. So we already have a loss in the heart, a loss in connectivity. But the good news, Joseph's father, Israel loved him. And if you look in Genesis 37, you'll see in verse 3, it's that Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. For me, I can relate to this Joseph piece because my father, when I was born, my father was 52. And my father um, was married before. And he had a daughter who was 30-something years older than I was. So when I was born... I had a sister who was 30-something years older, and she actually was pregnant with my niece who was born two months after I was born. And in this situation, because Joseph loved, um, I'm sorry, Israel loved Joseph more than his other children, it created dissension with his other children because it says in verse 4, When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. So in in my situation, I don't believe my father loved me more than my sister, but I was born at a different stage in his life and I lived in the same town. So I was able to see him often and much. And I learned later in life, um, you know, after my father passed, my sister really, she's my half-sister, but she didn't really want to have anything to have a relationship with me. And that was very difficult because I knew that was what my father wanted. And I later learned that, not necessarily that she admitted it, but I could tell through the talking that there was a jealousy, that there was thoughts of, of my having something or maybe having my father's love more than she did. And I'm so glad that the Lord allowed me to reach out to her and to share with her that my father, our father talked about her much and often, and he always wanted us to have a relationship. And I never sensed that he lacked love for her. And she is much older than me today. And I found it interesting that we've only been in contact in the last two, three years, but that I was able to share with her things that I knew about my father that she didn't know. And I realized that she, you know, had those thoughts for a very long time. So let me get back to the story. So maybe like you, you might have siblings of a different parent. You know, we have so many blended families, you know, today. And, and many and, and a number of times the parents don't recognize possibly the severity of in the children of, of thinking one is more special than the other or 
Maybe your parents blended your families and then they had a child together. So then that child is viewed as having, you know, more love because that child is from both the parents, etc., etc. We have these dynamics going on today, but I pray that the root of hate um, or people grow up and realize it's that jealousy is more divisive and does destruction and brings harm to a person. Because as we will go on, I'll read that again. And when his brethren saw that the father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him. Hate is a powerful word. And, you know, to me, hate comes after anger. They're, they were already angry. Now they're to hate. What's the next stage? Murder. And so Joseph is now has a dream. And he dreams and he tells his brethren. And now they even hate him even more because his dream <laughs> um, basically states that that he'll have dominion. The way he explains, he'll have dominion over them and they'll bow to him. So now somebody already hates you. And now you share that you may have a dream and that you're going to bow to me and I'm going to have to look up to you. I'm already hating you. So now Joseph, I don't know if he was naive or being younger and didn't know the power of his gift. Because I will say that's something I had to learn in my journey with the Lord was sometimes the Lord would, I would sense things or know things about people that how could I possibly know? And I would share it because I'm thinking, well, the Lord gave me this thing, this gift I should share. And I learned, what, what do we call it? You know, you start eating on, on meat or getting mentored by the right people. I learned that, and even for you, you may find the Lord shows you a lot of things in dreams and in visions or just through your sensing. But not always does the Lord want you to share that. And what I learned to do is unless the Lord says, share this with this person, I will pray on it. Um, or unless it's like what I see is more of a simple, encouraging word. But if it's something um, profound I pray for, did the Lord show it to me to pray about and to encourage them? Or did he literally want me to share it? And we don't know that from this standpoint. So it's just a lesson that we can learn. So as he's sharing his dreams and visions, venom is basically brewing in his brothers. So one day the the brothers go to feed the father's flock in Shechem. And so Joseph decides to join them. And sarcastically, we can see, and I believe it's like Genesis 37 um, in verse 19, they said to one another as he started to approach them, behold, this dreamer cometh. So the bottom line is they then decide the hate for their brother had gotten to the point that obviously they must have been talking about how to do away with him. And here they say, let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we'll say that some beast devoured him. 
and we shall see what will become of his dreams. That's a powerful statement to say. Imagine it had reached the height that they were bold enough to say, let's kill him. And and to really, to me, provoke God, obviously they didn't believe these dreams were from God, is to say, yeah, let's see what comes of the dreams now. We'll just kill you. But his brother Reuben heard it and said, let's not kill him. And so instead of, so imagine, this is, you're realizing the height of the hate that your brothers have for you. But they cast him in this pit, and it's in the wilderness. And they basically wait until some merchants are coming by, some Ishmaelites, if I believe, and they sell their brother. And they sh- the, the scripture, which I'll never, f- I, I, this one scripture to me speaks so, so much more than what it says. And I believe it's in verse 23. They said, when Joseph came upon his brother, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat. And for me, anger that leads to hate. But when we're angry at someone, we we want something from them. We want them to apologize. We want to take something back. We want them to reconcile when we're angry, right? We want to reconcile. We need someone to pay for something, whether it's pride or whether it's admitting they're wrong, but we're angry. And anger and hate always wants something from a person, a place, or a thing. We're angry at a person and we need them to fix it. And I think that's where the learning is, that we're all human. We're going to be upset. We're going to be disappointed. And we're going to be angry. But that doesn't mean that we feed the anger. Because if we feed the anger, if we keep replaying the story in our head, and then they did this, then they did that, and we tell everybody we know, then they did this, it turns into a hate, a hate that then wants the, it wishes the other person to lose something because that's where we get into revenge. That's where we get into, it reaches a place that we need to satisfy the hate. You see, hate is like a, it's like a beast that needs to feed and it needs to feed in destruction because when you hate something, you abhor something, you want to destroy something. That's why hate's at the root of murder. When someone kills someone, you want to destroy them so badly. So what are you filled with? It's hate. It's, you know, we could call it all kinds of different things. But we hate it enough that we want to destroy it. And that's why we don't need to let anger fester in our spirit. Because when we replay we're bringing it back again. We're, it's like lighting the fire. It's stoking it. Oh, we got to keep it top of mind. We got to t- keep that anger so that if their name is mentioned, I can share the story. If, if, they, if they come near me, I could, show them my, I could show them how I really feel. I could tell them how I really feel. No, we, we need to let the Lord 
to put them in the hands of God and release ourselves because our physical health, as we talked about the other day, from our, from our head to our toe, our body is being affected by that anger and by that hate. And if we want to take something from someone else, then we have to realize and remember we're going to lose something ourselves. You see, you can't destroy and take something from someone and it doesn't affect you or your children or your grandchildren. So this is why feeding anger, staying angry, it hurts you far worse than it hurts the person. And I don't know about you, my anger with a person is not worth my grandchildren that I've never even met, that never will even know this person, will never be worth them suffering for that. So we've got, so if you're Joseph and we're talking about him being angry, what are some of the things we've talked about already that he could have been angry about? He lost his mom. He now is being betrayed by his brothers. It's bad enough they want to kill him. Then another one says, no, nah, don't kill him. And then they wind up selling him like a slave, stripping him of his coat, of his identity, of his home, of his family, of the love that his earthly father has for him. They want to do what with their hate? Remove everything good from his life and make him nothing. So that'll make them feel better that they destroyed him and it's his, their own brother. So you, do you think things could get worse? Oh yeah, well they can. So the Midianites um, wind up selling Joseph unto Potiphar, who's an officer in Pharaoh's house and he's a captain of the guard. And what I love about Genesis 39, if you look at verse two, um, I believe you'll see where it states the Lord was with Joseph. And when the Lord is with you, you have prosperity. And what is so key about this, and this is so key for if you think about the messages we hear in church today about, oh, serve the Lord and you'll get this. Give this offering and you'll get that. The Lord was with Joseph, but Joseph was still a slave. Joseph was still owned by Potiphar. But you see, and it says, but he was prosperous. What I get from when that one sentence that I love and I can see now is that whatever state that you're in doesn't change that God has a blessing over your life. We so like to look at, and if we were looking at this today, we would say, Potiphar is blessed, right? He can afford a slave. And the slave is working so hard for him that he's prosperous. We would never even think of Joseph of being the blessed one. We would be praising Potiphar. But that's what's so key in this word, that right now you may feel you're in financial duress. You may feel that you have health issues. You may feel you don't have a good marriage or you may, you're not in the right career. You may feel depressed. You may feel alone, rejected and abandoned. Just like Joseph 
should have felt. But it says, we don't read here where it says Joseph was depressed. Joseph couldn't believe his brother sold him. What we're reading here is the Lord was with him and he was a prosperous man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. He made, he wound up being overseer of all of Potiphar's property, all of his things. That's how the Lord took him from the lowly estate to having him manage this man's wealth. So, That sounds like a good thing, right? Well, we got another problem. And maybe you have this problem too. (laughs) Joseph is fine. Joseph is good looking. Think about it. He's been working and he's probably got nice muscles, nice body. He's young. And Potiphar has a wife who is bold forward and saw what she liked and wanted it and told Joseph, come lie with me. I mean, didn't even sound like she buttered the man up, poured him some wine or tried to wine him and dine him first. She, she went, she saw him and wanted him. And Joseph resisted and resisted and resisted to the point that he had to try to escape from the woman who then, which we won't go into all of that, who then she accused him of doing the opposite. And guess what? Then Joseph pays the penalty of, (laughs) he had to leave all. And bottom line is he was falsely accused. And guess what happened? His master took him and put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. So let's do a review of Joseph. You want to talk about depression? I lost my mom. I was, then I had happiness for a short time. Dad loved me, made me a coat. Then the Lord gave me these dreams that people would bow down to me, that I was going to have dominion. Then I'm going to visit with my, hang out with my brothers, while they're working in the field. And then they decide to strip me of my coat, take off all my probably jewels or whatever I'm wearing, and they sell me as a slave. Then I'm sold to a slave and then guess what? This slave is treating me good and I'm able to be blessed. God, the Lord is with me and I'm doing well. And then I'm about to be raped or molested, harassed by the wife. I can't keep away from this woman who's hungry for my body. And I then I do the respectful thing. She falsely accused me and I land my butt in prison. And he wasn't in prison for 30 days, 60 days. He was in prison for years. And so my question to you is, do you not see that there's a pattern of uh, bad, a little good, and then a lot of bad, and then a little good, and then a lot of bad? Does that sound familiar in your life that you keep running into struggles? And do you see any similarities? What I'd like you to do, if you have your journal, is I want you to write the examples that I wrote. Lost his mom. Um, Dad loved him. 
he was stripped of his coat. Maybe you're stripped of your money or stripped of your identity. Brothers sold him, you know, as a slave. Then he was doing good in his job. Make a list on the left-hand side of the different things up until what we just discussed of what happened to Joseph. And on the right-hand side, put what it reminds you of in your own life. Maybe you lost a mom, a loved one, a godmother, or a woman of influence in your life that really might have shaken your, made you lonely, made you maybe feel abandoned. And then look at maybe you have rejection from a parent or siblings. Maybe you in a blended family or multiple um, fathers amongst your siblings. And you have that as well. And so think about what that makes you think of in those instances. When we talk about prison, um, he's imprisoned in the end. Have you found that you felt trapped or felt that there was no way out for you? You know, maybe you don't have the education or maybe you're in a marriage that you don't have the money to leave or the courage to leave. And, and think about what those areas are in your life. Because those areas of feeding and anger and a frustration that is living in you and it's being displayed in your life in different ways. And what I love in these examples, we don't hear in one instance that Joseph is cursing God, is in disbelief, and is saying that I need to do it my way. Because it's obviously not working God's way. I should have, we don't hear, I should have slept with her and I would be in a better situation, right? Or maybe I should have run off. We don't hear all of the excuses that we could make. But what we did see is that the Lord was with Joseph and that Joseph hadn't lost his gift, no matter what position he was in, whether he was in the big house or in prison, or in a pit, he was still blessed. And God, the Lord was still with him. And I want you to think of that today. Whether you're, whether you're lonely, but you have a lot of money, and you feel abandoned, alone, and rejected, God is still with you. Whether you feel like the lights are going to be turned out, turned off next week, God is still with you. And God still has a plan for you. But what I like about the sequence of events for Joseph is seeing that for me, the key things that when I saw, when I saw the words that he was stripped of his coat, to me, stripped of his identity, stripped of, he came from a wealthy family. This wasn't, you know, Joseph didn't come from some paupers on, he came from a wealthy family and he was stripped of his coat and his title. Just as when Christ came from heaven, he took off his heavenly, his heavenly body, his heavenly host, his heavenly power to walk amongst us. And I could do a whole thing on that, but we're speaking on Joseph. I want you to see that in your struggle, that one of your struggles or many of your struggles can fall under this situation. And tomorrow we're going to talk even further what happens, the pressures that come upon Joseph and 
where his breakthrough does happen. You see, no matter where you are, you have God. In any minute, your breakthrough can change everything. You know, breakthroughs isn't about making you wealthy. Breakthrough, I would rather have power. See, if you have power, then you have you can have wealth. Joseph had power even as a slave, and it was recognized by his master. You can't buy that. And so when the Lord is with you, when you're looking at your list of how you can compare your struggle with Joseph's struggle, what I want you to do at the bottom of the page is to make that your prayer today and share that with the Lord that you want to trade your anger for his covering, for him abiding within you. The Lord can't abide in you if you're full with anger, hate, and overwhelmed because you're not focusing on him. You're focusing on you. And I want you to think of what your prayer of forgiveness, who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to let go? Maybe it's a circumstance. Maybe it's a state of mind. And maybe you need help with dealing with the anger. Maybe something more professional, maybe with a small group or a minister or even the training class we're going to have coming up soon. But you can't try to fight something you've been angry about for 30 years. It's not going to go away because you say it once. But it's something you have to be aware of that you are defending and defeating on a daily basis. And so I pray as we are talking about anger and and moving in areas that folks normally don't want to talk about because they don't want to get too deep or they don't want to take you too deep, but we need to go deep. We've got to go deep so that we can be set free. Don't look for sugar-coated messages. Don't look for people just trying to get you entertained for a moment, give you a little rah-rah, give you a little breakdance song and a little and a little Bible verse and send you on your way. You have a real life with real issues and real challenges, and you need a real word from real people who want to be honest and share that they've been there And there is a path that can lead you out of that place. So for me, it's about elevating you and and for us all to elevate other women to move to a higher level of success and to know that we were made to be successful. I pray you enjoy this Sunday. And I also praise God that um, Hurricane um, I want to call it Murphy Berry, <laughs> has came down to a tropical storm instead of a hurricane. So if you prayed, I praise God for you. But the Lord heard our prayers and it didn't turn. We still got, they got flooding and other issues coming, but it could have been worse. So let's continue to pray for the people of Louisiana. And I pray and, and send And just ask the blood of Jesus be a hedge of protection around you. Be uplifted. Be joyful. Don't let your identity be stripped off of you. I hope these first steps will show you 
the patterns of what anger comes after. Anger, anger wants to take from you. And we cannot allow, we already living, we lose enough. So I hope you um, tune in tomorrow and we're going to do the balance of how to flush out and remove anger from your life. Be blessed. women desiring the real, raw truth. How to live in confidence without doubt. The battle for your identity, faith, and courage in relationships, health, and wealth with God is real. Here is Lisa Hawkins, author, coach, and minister. Good day, and this is Lisa. I am so excited to be here with you. And we are going to continue in our lesson on dealing with anger and how where anger can lead and how we can move from anger to prosperity. Because as we know, anger is an emotion and we have to be, I don't want to say fearful, but be aware of how our emotions affect us, affect other people, but also how anger can turn, change our circumstances when we get in rage or we get anger, how we can lash out and how it can result in decisions that we regret. And we are talking about, if you haven't um, been with us and this is your first podcast, you might want to go back to podcasts or so because we're beginning the story of showing how Joseph in anger are related and how he could have chosen anger because anger was put upon him, jealousy and hate and all of those things were put on him, but how God was with him and how others anger, others who had anger propelled him and elevated him to be to have power, to have authority, but most of all to show God's ability through him. So today, if you've got your Bible, we're going to um, continue where we left off. And we left off with Potiphar, Potiphar's wife, and her false accusation, which then landed Joseph in prison. So I want to start at um, 19, so we can kind of see where uh, anger is mentioned again, and how Joseph, being falsely accused, is reaping um, the curse of, of this anger. So it says in NIV version, When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He allowed, he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. 
So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So just to reiterate here how we have talked about that you might, you know, say, well, gosh, you know, you're struggling, you're angry about your current circumstances, whether it's finances, whether it's marriage, whether it's education, whether it's where you live, whether it's your health. But God is with you. If you are a believer and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, the one thing that I will tell you that will happen is you will have struggle. You will have strife and you will sometimes feel that you are falsely accused or have more than you can bear. But remember in this scripture that God was with him in your lowest position. God is granting you favor. So think about it. Here he is in prison. Here he was taken away, probably around age 17. And if we look at the timeline of the time that Joseph was slave and in prison, it's about 11 years. So when everybody knows me in the number 11. So when you think about how long you've been in a struggle, Lisa, I've been struggling for two years, or I've been struggling for five years, or I've been struggling for 20 years, that does not mean that the Lord isn't with you. And that does not mean that you don't have favor through the struggle. Sometimes struggles, we continue to, to think we can do it through our own strength, our own control and all those things. And sometimes we don't recognize that God is doing a different work and a new work through you. And you have favor, even as low as you may feel you are, because I don't know if you can get lower than the lower than prison is probably in the grave. So lower in prison. And, and we know that he wasn't living in luxury in this prison because I'm going to share something as we move on of what he had to do to prepare himself before he went before the Pharaoh. So this wasn't like he was in this luxury prison. He was imprisoned. He was with prisoners. And so prison can mean many things. We can be a prisoner of our own um, depression, our own stress, our own um, hate, our own, um, you know, doubts and fears can keep us in prison from moving forward, from prospering, for thinking of ourselves that we are better than our current station, of thinking, um, removing the prison of believing that a man has to save us. A man has to save you in order for you to have more money, for you to have a nice car or a nice house, that it has to come from someone else. You're in prison in believing the lie that you are not smart enough, strong enough, beautiful enough, and able for God to use you. And so I want you to see in this story of Joseph that anger and jealousy and hate Put him in this situation, but God is going to elevate him out of that situation. So you might feel that this person did that to you or that person did that to you, or if this hadn't happened to me, I would be a better person. But Joseph, as you will, if you really read his piece, he continually talks about the power of his dream interpretations and power comes from God. The one thing that he is very clear on. We don't hear any backbiting, blaming and all that. But what we do hear is that 
He knows that God is in control. Okay, so I want to move into the next chapter that talks about the cupbearer and the baker. And here is where Joseph, and I want you to read the, the full details for yourself, but I'm going to give you the quick clip notes. The bottom line is the cupbearer, Pharaoh, got enraged um, with his cupbearer and folks in his two officials, his chief cupbearer and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, which is the same prison where Joseph was confined. And do you not think that this is not part of God's plan? But there's something here that folks don't always deal into. But I want you to see how sometimes you could feel like, Lord, wow, the Lord keeps letting me get disappointed and disappointed. And no, the Lord just allows us to have another opportunity to trust him and believe in him. So the cupbearer and the baker are confined with Joseph, and the captain puts Joseph over them. So it's like Joseph's almost a welcoming committee. You know, this is what you got to do. This is how you, I guess, behave, and whatever discipline he gives them, probably the rule of the land in prison. So after they had been in custody for some time, they have a dream. The baker has a dream and the cupbearer has a dream. And the bottom line, Joseph sees them and they look depressed and dejected. So he asks them to share the dream. And so he lets them know that the interpretation comes from God and God alone. So they share the dream. And Joseph shares with them, and you could read this fully in chapter 40. Well, one of you in three days is going to be back in his position with Pharaoh and, and happy and, and enjoying his life again. Whereas the baker, well, and what I like and don't like maybe about how Joseph handles the baker, it's like um, he just kind of says it matter of fact in how it's written here. And he says, you know, within three days, Pharaoh will, and if you go down to verse, um, make sure I have this exact for you, excuse me, in verse 18, make sure that's 18, I think it's 19, he says, within three days, it's verse 19, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Well, imagine getting that as a dream interpretation from, you know, you sharing a dream with someone. But guess what? That was the, the, the baker's dream interpretation and the cupbearer. So the third day happened to be Pharaoh's birthday. He gave a feast and he lifted up the heads. I'm sorry, he lifted up the heads of the chief, chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. So he restored the cupbearer. Within three days, within three days, three days, three, that number, within three days of Joseph's interpretation, he was restored. And guess what? And he was putting the cup into Pharaoh's hand as Joseph interpreted. But he did lift off the head of the chief baker as Joseph also interpreted. Now, 
when they gave the when Joseph gave the interpretation of the the dream to the cupbearer, he asked him to promise that he would remember Joseph and mention him to Pharaoh because this is a one time one of the key times we see in verse 14 that he says when all goes well with you remember me and show me kindness mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison he mentions he was forcibly carried from the land of the Hebrews and even here I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon so, when the cupbearer got back, do you think he remembered? No. He didn't remember Joseph. So, I don't know about you, but I know I can only imagine Joseph, and I can only imagine knowing my past and doing this myself, is just going over and over all of the things that have gone wrong that weren't my fault. Can you imagine? Well, gosh, my mother died. I was put in a pit. Then I was stripped of my the robe that my father, who loved me, gave me. And my identity was robbed. And I was sold off to some Ishmaelites. Then I was, you know, given to the guard of Pharaoh, the captain of the guards. I was in Potiphar's house. I was doing well. Then his wife wanted me to have sex with her. Then he didn't believe me, and then I was put in jail. And now I'm here year after year. Here he was, a young teen, probably 17 years old. 10, 9, 10, 11 years later, you're still enslaved. You're still trusting God. But things, you want out of this situation. And all you asked was, For the cupbearer to remember you, to mention you. Wow, he's at the hand of Pharaoh now. His life is back. So why didn't he remember Joseph? Well, you know, when I was thinking of this podcast, the Lord reminded me of things that I've personally experienced with being in ministry. I've had a healing room. I had a healing room for seven years in the Atlanta area, which was free for prayer for anyone, whether women, men, children, whoever needed prayer. And it was donation-based. So if you came with nothing, you still got the same prayer as someone who donated. Some people we spent over an hour with, some people we spent 10 minutes with. But it was God doing all of the healing. Let me make this very clear. And we believed that and practiced that and spoke that. And we saw many miracles. And I think of how I can recall a number of people who were unemployed, who the Lord brought to the healing room and they got a fabulous job. And I remember them, sometimes they'd call, I'd bump into them later and they'd tell how, oh, wow, I never got to call you to tell you about the great job I got after your team prayed, prayed for me. And I remember... Sorry if you guys didn't think I was flesh and blood. I would remember walking away sometimes and saying, wow, you know, the job they described, you would think that they might have sent an offering, donation to know that, wow, this place blessed me and I knew that it was God that gave me this. And I always would be like, wow, Lord, sheesh, you would think. 
you know, that allow us to do greater things for other people. And the Lord, it was always like, I would always say, I know, I'm not supposed to say this, but isn't that a normal reaction? So I'm asking you, have you ever done stuff for people or been involved with stuff that you felt like, man, maybe they could have said thank you. Or maybe like, you know, when you bump into someone and wow, it was two years ago that you got prayer and you never even thought to say, hey, thanks, I got this great opportunity, this happened, just to let us know. Um, So to me, I always felt like it, not only for me, but are you even giving God praise? Because to me, I'm looking at if you didn't even call to tell me that you're praising God about it, makes me wonder if, if you are. So let's think of what are some of the reasons that the baker may not have told Pharaoh. So we can start with, if you believe this, now remember this was three days later, that he forgot about Joseph. He forgot when he knew that the baker was beheaded and put on a pole, he he kind of forgot that Joseph had said those exact words, that he was there with the Pharaoh putting the cup in his hand. So let's go with number one. He forgot three days later that his life was tremendously different from being in prison, dirty and and forgotten in a dungeon. So, okay, we'll go with that, that he forgot. That's one. Two, maybe we're going to get closer on two. He was so happy and enjoying his freedom and partying and calling everybody to say, I'm free and I'm back at the hand of Pharaoh, that he was just too busy. He was just too busy enjoying drinking and fellowshipping and finding his wife or whatever and enjoying because he was in prison for some time. So he was focused on fulfilling his bodily, physical and needs. Okay, I'll give you that one for a second. Third one, you notice we're getting kind of maybe deeper. He wanted, he didn't want to give attention to Joseph Gifts. Maybe he didn't, you know, he was there putting the cup in the Pharaoh's hand. Maybe if he told him about Joseph, maybe Joseph would get his job because he was close to the Pharaoh. I mean, putting someone's food in their hand is a pretty close position. What if I tell and then he's like, really? And says, I'm going to give him your job. And then what would happen to him? Hmm. Maybe I'm getting closer to the truth. Or maybe he didn't want to bring up how he got imprisoned and remind the Pharaoh and get him angry again. Maybe the Pharaoh would remember, yeah, maybe I should behead you too. Now that you've reminded me about being imprisoned and why I sent you there, why did I set you free? Maybe he thought it would remind him of that. Well, unfortunately, all of those things, think about yourself, that as women, one of the things that I saw challenging in corporate America was I was like the first female, first woman of color in many senior roles. And I was very interested, excuse me, in other women coming in the organization and getting them in a place where there's not just one. Or maybe you can relate to You know, when if you're attractive and another attractive woman 
um, comes into your circle of friends and maybe people are giving them attention, do you somewhat feel slighted? Do you notice how we want to be maybe the center of attention or we want to be the only one? See, to me, I never thought that being the only one is not a secure place. But being surrounded with people who are smart and want to see the advancement of women and want to have value to the beauty of women is something that we can build on. And today, I'm glad to see that some women are waking up to that. And so I would tell you those who are following other women because you desire their beauty on Facebook or whatever, is pursue your inner beauty. Pursue releasing your beauty and not chase or be jealous or envious of others. And when women come in, when you work with women in the workplace, engage with them, learn from them, support each other. Do you know, no matter how much men may disagree, one thing they are clear on is they want to learn from another man so they can elevate themselves from that learning. They may not even like them, but they want to learn. And we need to learn that as well. You can learn from people that you don't have to agree on everything about their lifestyle or who they are. But we don't have to also try to push people down or hold them down because we're afraid. What God has for you, no one can take from you. And what's clear from this, that even though the cupbearer, and this goes back into sometimes we put our trust in people, people will disappoint, people will let us down. Even though the, the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, he forgot him. But God didn't. God did not forget Joseph. And so how would God use this situation for Joseph's benefit? Now, you've been, you've been sitting in prison a long time. Maybe you've been in your struggle a long time. And when you want to talk about does God reward your faithfulness, he does. And I think this is an excellent example. No matter, think about how long did it take Moses from when he was born to leading the children of Israel out of Egypt? How long was he in the desert before he came back? A long time. It wasn't a year or two. Our journey with God is a lifetime. It's not. And sometimes, as we all know, struggle feels longer than it really is. But when we get on the other side, if we really look back at what we learned, what that experience taught us, maybe sometimes we have too much pride and the Lord needs to bring us to a low level to raise us up, to raise us up with the right mindset, to raise us up with the right emotional maturity to handle what he's going to do in our lives. Every person born has a purpose. So when we look at Genesis 41, Pharaoh now is having a dream. And he is seeking his magicians and all of this stuff. And I want you to read in 41 because he dreams about seven cows, ugly and gaunt. And then he dreams about, you know, seven healthy, seven sleek and fat grazing um, cows. And so 
he wants an interpretation. And then he has a second dream. And in the second dream, he dreams about seven heads of grain, healthy and good, growing in a single stalk. And then he dreams that the other grain spouted thin and scorched by the wind. So he's troubled. And so the wise men of Pharaoh can't interpret the dream. And guess what? God had planted that seed in the cupbearer, was like, oh, goodness. Now, in this one, it's like, oh, my goodness. I just can't imagine his face. Oh, wow. All this time. I forgot. I still don't think he forgot. But we're going to go on what the word says. And if we look in Genesis 41, verse 9, it says, Then the chief cupbearer cup bearer, said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Oh, I wonder who reminded him. God. Pharaoh was once angry with his servant, and he imprisoned him and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. So he winds up telling him and reminding him of what he did. And he tells them that they had a dream and that there was a young Hebrew who was there. And he, the dream happened exactly as he had interpreted. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. So if this is where, if you thought that, well, maybe he was in prison, but since God was with him and the the guard, the warden was allowing him, you know, to help people out or putting people under him, maybe it wasn't that rough for him. Well, it says that they had to, when he had shaved and changed his clothes. So he obviously wasn't being shaven regularly and obviously needed new clothes. So that would tell me life was pretty rough in prison. So I can only assume maybe teeth brushed or whatever, all of the the cleanliness things you need to do before you go before Pharaoh had to be done. And so he shares the dream with um, Joseph and Joseph says to him that I, in verse um, 18, 16, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And I say that to you as well. Whatever your struggle is, Lisa can't give you the answers. Lisa can't promise you your future. But what I can promise you, that the Lord will provide you with an answer. When you seek him, he will bring you your answer. He will bring you your restoration. He will bring healing to your physical body. So Pharaoh shares the dream. And then Joseph says to Pharaoh that in quick summary, that his dream is about seven years of prosperity and seven years of famine. And so he also shares what Pharaoh will need to do. So you'll have great abundance that is coming in the land of Egypt. And you'll need someone who will be in charge and gather the grain and gather this abundance so that you can um, prepare for the severity of this famine. And so Pharaoh, you know, looks to who will I put in charge in such of a such of a job as this. 
the, the plan sounded good to Pharaoh and all his officials. But he says in verse 37, can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the spirit of God. And I can only imagine they were like, no, we don't know anybody like that. So then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are subject to your orders. This is the part I love. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So wait a minute. This was 11 years later and sometime after his dream interpretation that he went from the dungeon where he was unshaven and had no decent clothes, no wealth, no money, no political clout, no connections. And he went from that position to God planting the reminder in the cupbearer's mind to being before Pharaoh, and now you are the second most powerful man in Egypt. Why? Why can we not learn from this example that when I maintain my faith in this struggle, when I maintain who I put my trust in, who I pray to, who I worship, who I will continue to give praise and honor and who I will kneel before and commit my life to. That no matter what struggle I am in, that it will not be the end of me, but that it will breed a greatness through me in my life. Not only did he make him second in command, he gave him a wife, he gave him a ring, he gave him a robe. Guess what? That robe that his father made, that was given in love, that his brothers stripped from him. God gave Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, gave him a new identity to be over all the land. To the point that when the good times are here, he's in charge. When the bad times happen, he will be in charge. I charge you with asking yourself, are you allowing God to be in charge of your life during the struggle? Whatever area you think is a struggle, whatever area you think that this has gone on too long, I can't bear it anymore, that if you were to hang in there and if you were to speak his truth, his scriptures and Psalms, his scriptures and the examples of others in the Bible. That he will bring you through, elevate you to a level far beyond your ability to do on your own. I have seen through, as I mentioned earlier, people who came for prayer. I've seen people healed of cancer who had stage four cancer. I've seen people who couldn't walk that the Lord had them walk through prayer and their faith. I've seen people unemployed, single parents, single moms with children who they came for prayer and had a job three days later. I had a woman who was homeless with her three children in Atlanta 
and had nowhere to go and she committed her life to God. Within 72 hours, she had a wedding proposal and ring on her finger. Talk about three days. Had a ring on her finger, Had was put in an apartment and was told that he would not touch her again sexually until she was his wife. She is now happily married with her family and children. And I see her videos and her pictures of her and her family in Florida enjoying their life together. So I know of a God that is faithful and answers our prayers, no matter how low we feel, no matter if our family has abandoned us, has told us to, has banished us from family functions and to never come around. When you feel lonely and abandoned, imagine Joseph felt all of those things, rejected, abandoned, alone from humanity. But he knew God was with him. He knew God gave him favor. You might say, wow, it's rough to feel like you're in favor when you're struggling. Well, is our faith only available when it's good times? We need to understand we are believers and we are children of God through every season of life. And so I pray today that in your journal that you're looking at what have been your seasons. What's your season now? And speak the words, use your tongue to speak God's truth, that this too shall pass and God is with me. And I'm not going to let another person's thoughts or negative thoughts of putting me down make me believe I'm less than, that I'm unworthy and incapable of happiness, joy, and success. That's what I send you today, that you have God with you. So isn't it time you allow him to take you through and exalt you to the next level? It's time you be elevated in your faith and elevated in your daily life. So I pray that for you, that every person hearing this podcast today, that your life will be elevated to a higher level. Elevate your marriage, elevate your finances, elevate your health. Let's all be working toward seeing the Lord bring our elevation We don't have to work for it. We don't have to do anything but trust him and walk in faith and live believing this too shall pass. Have a blessed day in Jesus' mighty name.